seen it. And I don't, so I don't mind. Like, I want it to be as authentic as possible. Obviously, if it's going off all the yeah. time. But this person was very frustrated that it went off, and he went, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not a Steven Spielberg movie, so that we have to no, no, no. do all this. Exactly. Okay, all right. So, welcome, hello, and welcome to Voices of Enablement by Jitamari. an interview series focusing on the key issues affecting the enablement community today um it's a tough market right now organizations are cutting staff pausing their investment in their go to marketing department how do you make a compelling case for the value of enablement is the core question that we are seeking to answer so our guest today is Kiran Smith Kiran is a revenue enablement leader at Staffbase he is also an active member and ambassador of the SEC community uh, also runs a podcast called enablement involved you should check it out he has some of the renowned enablement leaders on the uh, as as his guest uh, welcome Kiran pleasure having you on this show I love for you to introduce yourself. Wonderful. Thanks for having me. Yes. Um I have recently joined Staffbase. Um I have quite a long title which is um senior manager of go to market enablement of productivity for the EMEA region. Um so it's it's a bit of a mouthful but yes we I've I've moved from it's been interesting I've moved from a company where we had an enablement team of four all in five all in um so now the enablement team is now 17 split across split globally across different regions so it's a very different uh very different world that I that I'm in and obviously um with the the, the questions that are being asked about the, the value of enablement and stuff like that when you have a, a team of 17 um it's a it's a very different way to answer that question yeah which is great like that means the the senior member the 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 team knows the value of enablement so um and again that is a you know question that every enablement practitioner especially in the apac market because or in the email market it's not very um you know mature space um how do you elevate the role of sales enablement with the c suite when many support functions are being cut is a very first question i want to ask yeah well i think uh, you've what are the words that you've you've got in there is a word that i don't like to use when it comes to enablement not support so i think that's that's one of the the big the big talking points that are out right that, that, that are that's consistent right now is you know moving from a cost center or being seen as sales support to being seen as a strategic business partner internally and i think when enablement works as its best we're almost like an internal consultant because we have this um unique world view that we get to touch marketing and sales and uh, customer success and a lot of the time we work within the legal departments and stuff like that and helping in sales people but in terms of actually how to make a difference um i think depending on whether it's yourself individually or certainly the, the leader of the enablement team they have to be involved in the early conversations um with the CRO i mean the, the, i think the stats from forrester that show the most effective and most successful enablement teams will report into the CRO and i think that's the first and foremost um if we are looking to make an impact with or influence revenue then i think we need to be reporting into the revenue leader and i think first and foremost i think when when we when we are seen as as sales support is when we are dictated to by the leaders i think we need to be involved in the conversation as early as possible the example i tend to give is you know if we get to the end of the year let's just say we get to the end of 2023 and for ease of conversation that the, the uh, company finishes on 100 million arr and we want the, for 2024 the 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 growth figure is to get to 120 million arr that's fine but at that point is when enablement should be involved in the conversation not after all this has been decided so i think if you're a part of these strategic conversations from the start then i think that's when you get understanding and respect from the c suite level yeah great point karen again this is something that i read uh, in a forester report last week if you are just working on the training you will be seen as a tactical uh, yeah. partner but if you work with the cro uh, and work on the revenue goals that is where you are seen as a strategic partner so is is this how it is at staff base the in our entire enablement it functions that it functions reports to cro 
everything. Yeah, and we're, my last company were exactly the same. So we we report directly to the CRO. We uh, so my boss is um, senior level is always working with the CRO. Everything that we mm-hmm. do is is is, is um, tied into key initiatives or strategic initiatives, OKRs of the overall business. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, we're we're in a bit of a transition right now, as most companies are, and um, mm-hmm. moving away from that firefighting and that. Oh, you know, we need objection handling training, and we just do that. I think now, enablement department, certainly my team, they're empowered to ask why. What's, what's the impact that this is going to have? Why do you believe that this needs mm. to happen? And we've got full support and backing from the CRO to be able to ask those questions because we, nobody has time right now to work on things that are not going to make an impact or move the needle. Right. Great. Again, I think uh, if you're reporting to the CRO, then obviously you can talk about all these things. But a lot of companies that we speak to, right, they also have the implement reporting to the CMO. Uh, a lot of time product marketing and then that becomes tricky because then they are just focusing more on the content side and not looking at entirely that they're enabling the entire revenue teams so yeah. the one question i want to ask is because there's one other thing that is coming up because you report to the cro and cro cares about okay what is the revenue that you bring on the table so mostly in a, most of the enablement initiatives are usually tied to the training and all of that but wanted to understand can you share uh you know what are the roi outcomes roi outcomes that you uh, that you have in your organization or the, the, the things that you speak to your CRO that, okay, these are the outcomes that uh, we are expecting from our efforts. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that it's multifaceted. Firstly, to give you an example, if you're rolling out a new sales methodology or something like that, then you're going to be looking at adoption rates and stuff like that. But the adoption rates ultimately will feed into the revenue or they will ultimately feed into the productivity of the performance of from a region to a team to individuals in particular. Like you might have um, a productivity metric of you want all of your AEs to be at 80% productivity or 75 or 90, whatever that is. So ultimately, those are the metrics that you've got to start with. So from, from the enablement point of view, we don't own outcomes. We own we can help influence outcomes by changing behaviors or upskilling people in order to do the quote unquote right thing. But I think everything's got to tie back to revenue ultimately, but also, you know, or either directly or by way of. So again, if we if we were to believe that eighty percent adoption of a sales methodology would help us perform better, that's fine. But that's just that's a very shallow metric in comparison to to where we can dive deeper. And I say like the thing is with enablement, I think influencing outcomes is is what we do. Um, yes, we want to be always focused on those and be tracking. But there's there's so many other parts. Like for example, without frontline sales leaders. Uh, being bought in and, and reinforcing what we're doing, then immediately we sort of disappear as 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 a, as a function, um, and that's not to put all the blame on 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 anyone else. It's everyone's accountable to the performance. Right? Everybody's accountable to the performance, and in terms of the ROI, I think we could look at something like sales velocity equation in terms of um, looking at we want to increase the number of opportunities by ten percent. That's a great high level number, but then we have to work all the way back. What competencies are there? What you know, which teams, which regions, how do we go about it? And that's where we as enablers probably get get to use our creative mind and creative program creation rather than on top of the binary. But that's how it's multifaceted, the ROI. Um, but you have to be clear on what that ROI is, what the benchmark is right now before you get started and where you want it to go. What is what's the time period? Like so it's easy enough to say 10% improvement of like overall but is it over one quarter two quarters the year how are you going to track that what are your milestones you have to really dig deep and understand what it is that you're looking for in terms of roi or impact got it so i think the key is to get aligned with okay what is the objective of with the cr okay this is something that we want to achieve then work backwards on these other programs that might help us do this work and then again right it's always a staircase approach you can't have direct roi it's always a correlation okay we are doing this we know if salespeople are more knowledgeable they will be able to have better conversation with the customer. If they're having better conversation, they will, you know, have better win rate. And obviously that will translate to the revenue. Yeah. So I think, yeah, the key takeaway for all the enablement leader is, okay, always work back- backwards, understand on the objective, 
and then work towards uh, you know achieving those those smaller goals absolutely got it again this is one again it's a tough market most enablement teams are not doing great 70 80% are missing the numbers so now more than ever enablement plays a vital role in in enabling their uh, rep performance so the question i want to ask what is your perspective on this why why do you think is revenue enablement critical for the organization's success in in current economic downturn well, I think for me, it's probably two different answers to this. Firstly, if we look at the last five to 10 years, the way that most companies have looked to to in, in achieve more revenue is to hire more people, right? And we've seen over the last five or 10 years, that doesn't work, right? It's the most expensive, the longest way to revenue, and it's the most ineffective in terms of ROI. Even if because you've got people who, that's even if you onboard people perfectly, people are still going to leave, people are not going to get up to speed. And what we've seen is a massive amount of churn and and riffs and people being laid off because of that strategy. So first and foremost, we know that that doesn't work, right? And it, it probably never has worked, but we've just seen the outcome of that tremendously in the last year, where there's literally hundreds of thousands of people being laid off because most companies overhired because they weren't looking at productivity rates or capacity rates and stuff like this. They were just going, we need another million dollars ARR. That means the target's roughly two hundred per rep. We'll hire five reps, right? That's kind of that was the mass previously. Doesn't work. So we've got that element. So what does that mean? You have to double down on the team that you have. Yes, there'll be some slight changes or you might recruit, but you have to double down on the team that you have. And when you double down on those teams, again, you have to work backwards in terms of looking at where are you now? Where do you want to be? What's the baseline? But some people have referred to enablers as, you know, fitness coaches or, you know, those, that, that sort of thing, which I think is a great analogy. But also we, ha- we are in a fortunate position as enablers to not be, tied to the number so like sales managers will get super involved they might jump in and and help with deals and and you know handhold all the way through we don't need to do that we can actually objectively step back and be like okay what are the skills what are the competencies where are we now where do we want to be and then we're in a position where we can facilitate that happening um so yeah i mean i think if you're not if you're not doubling down on enablement i think you're going to make a mistake and again long term it's going to come back and bite you because you're going to maybe come out of this period that we're in and you're going to want to hire again and you're not going to have onboarding. You're not going to have all these programs in place. So you're going to end up in the same sort of position. So yeah, I think when it comes to enablement and how people should double down on it, there's so many reasons as to why, but again, we can help with the talent that's already in the room rather than hiring more people. So I think that's probably my biggest message. Yeah. I think again, great point because every CEO that you talk to today, they say, okay, we are not going to hire a lot of people. The idea is not to hire headcount. The idea is to improve the performance per app. How can we do more with less? You know, that is the, yep. and that is why people are not hiring a lot because they want to focus on elevating their current performance and try to get more out of them. Yep. Yep. Got it. So I, th- I think this is, uh, again, this brings to uh, another question. What do you think, because a lot of people are not hiring because they want to elevate their existing performance and do more with less. So what do you think is the role of enablement when you're not hiring a lot of reps? I mean, I don't think it's changed. I, I think it's a, a more like a stereotypical view of enablement that we just do onboarding. Right? Yeah, like yeah, that's, yeah. I don't get me wrong. If you look at a, a, a lot, I would say 90% of enablement job descriptions, it mentions onboarding, training programs, tool adoption. Yeah. But I think that's a, an antiquated way of looking at enablement, right? That's a, certainly a part of the job, right? But if you just put enablement in that box, again, you, you probably don't understand really what enablement is. So I think for, and certainly in my point of view, nothing has really changed for us. I, I think, you know, if... If you're an enablement team and that's all you work on or you only work reactively or sort of operationally, where if, if a leader comes to you and says, I want to do this on, you know, whatever it's objection handling, or I want to do closing, or I want to do negotiation training. Okay, right. But the, the shift is now happening. That's where you'll be seen as a cost center because you're not being proactive. You are not um, leading with impact, right? Objection handling is a lagging indicator, right? It doesn't even, if, if you get better at objection handling, it might not even actually help move the needle at all. So I think what you've got to do is 
or enablement team should be doing is being proactive. So again, where are we now in terms of performance? Where do we want to be? What's the minimum acceptable level? And that might be 10, 20% apart for you know the average productivity of the reps. That's okay. At least we know where we want to get to. How break let's break it down. Is that a competency framework? Is that um the sales velocity equation? But what metrics do we want to move? Like what's the what's the thing that's going to get us there? And there's some things around managing so it might be around activity right or overall output now that's a manager's job we don't really get involved in that but then we've got the other side of the training and the coaching element of upskilling people helping them understand is it around icps what is it none of that's changed as, as far as i'm concerned and i think we might have seen a change in expectations on enablement but realistically if you're an enablement function it's just seen as an onboarding function then that's not a good place to be in certainly in 2023 yeah absolutely i think i'm going to take a snippet of this and share because Every person that I talk to who says, okay, we are not hiring a lot of reps today or we already have a learning management system in place. I honestly think, okay, we need to do a lot of education where we tell them, okay, onboarding alone is just not complete enablement. Reps will forget yeah. the information. There are a lot of other ways that you can partner with your sales teams or the revenue teams and, and try to elevate their performance. So yeah, great point. Uh, the one question I have is onboarding alone, right, is not enough. You said there are a lot of other things yeah. that the enablement team can work on. And even if you're not hiring a lot of reps, so how, what kind of program do you generally run um, when you look to elevate your tenure reps? Or what kind of enablement initiatives do you provide to some of the tenure reps? Well, I mean, I'm a big fan of conversational intelligence. Um, and I, if I could only choose one tool um, or one type of technology to have, it would be conversational intelligence, just purely for, for, or for multiple reasons. It gives you an understanding of what's actually been said, what's been done. But again, for to, to take enablement in a proactive sort of more and more data-driven, sort of more bespoke type of way. I think if you've got things like scorecards or initiatives and stuff like that on your, your let's take scorecards as an example. Where I was previously, we had scorecards by role. So we had a cold calling one for SDRs. We had a discovery of what we call qualification for AEs. So if we take that, for example, we broke it down by the competencies that we would want to see, like setting an agenda. Did you open with insights? Did you ask relevant, insightful discovery questions? Um did you you know show the value? Did you get an, an did you get a true understanding of the need impact? Did you close with next steps? So we broke it down by that, and we asked managers to score one scorecard per rep per week. Sometimes we would get more, but then over the, over the sort of first six to twelve weeks, what we'd have then is an understanding of every individual by team. We could know where they were in terms of overall score. So again, they might have an overall score of four, but that means that they might be asking relevant this out. So we would score it out of five. Sorry. So um. You might have a, a four out of five for relevant insightful discovery questions, but then you might have a two for getting a real need and impact or pain point. So then instantly off the back of that, we know where to work with that person specifically because there's nothing that people dislike more than going into a training session that has nothing to do with them, right? And something that they're good at. And if you always work on a catch-all situation, but from us, we're now using the data. So rather than me going as, a, as an enablement person, I believe, or as a, as a sales going, I think we need training on this, you know, based on what? So whereas now we can work backwards and go, okay, we're looking at this and the, the the most common thing across all teams is objection handling based on the scores that you're giving your team mm. or, or you might have a group of three or four who need to work on establishing a need and a pain point. So again, we can get, get a group of four in and we can work specifically on them and then we can track it over time and stuff like that. And then you can go, you know, like macro, if you're looking at rolling out a new message, you can look at, you can type in how many times has someone mentioned this product? Right. Mm. So then for me, rather than go and be catch all, so you might have to do catch all with everybody, you know, you know, whole rev org with the new messaging. But then after that, you can actually break it down and, and, and work that way. So that's you know how I would look at it. Right. And be mm. proactive, be data driven because you have your you have your opinion. I have my opinion. Let's put the data in the middle. Right. Let's mm. just do that and then be proactive. So we had a we had a Salesforce dashboard and we had an agreement with our previous leaders that if someone was on average a three or below out of five, 
then we would already start performance managing them, not in a uh, like a pip type way, but we would immediately dive into that person's scorecard and work with them straight away. So before it became a problem, we were already working with them to upscale them and stuff like that. So we had just like constant transparency on how people were performing. Mm-hmm. And then we would work with leaders, with the CRO, um, or before we would roll something out, we go, okay, this messaging hasn't quite stuck yet. So why are we rolling something else out if we've not perfected this? So just that transparency around some of the data allowed us to have understand where to look what you know why we were doing it and then how we how we would approach it whether it's a big big group or all the way down to an individual person mm. no i think again great point because this is more of a proactive approach there's a lot of competencies and you can't expect every salesperson to be great at all these competencies yeah. and we can't even go to every salesperson and ask hey like do you need help in discovery because they'll, yeah. ne- they'll never say so exactly it's more about understanding okay which group of people lack in discovery which group of people lack in objection then group them and then you know do the trainings and make sure you know you elevate again make the train them more uh, this one question I have is, I'm sure all of these things, you train them in the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. How to answer the objections or what, what kind of discovery questions to ask. Um, the problem that I hear from a lot of enablement person is that people forget. How do you reinforce that information in, in when it is required? So like, what is your take on this? How do you make sure that happens to your, your salespeople? They have all the right knowledge just before they need it. Well, I think going back to onboarding, right? So there's, for me, there's a, there's a difference between onboarding and everboarding, right? So onboarding is a very short, yeah. first at the start so for me um where i was previously we do four weeks four weeks of onboarding um mm. first two weeks very very scheduled lots of skills lots of tools lots of stuff like that getting to know then the next two weeks was all about them planning their territory doing some role plays and we had a certification which was fine mm. but like you say once they once they pass that certification we then let them out into the big bad world and i think that's where you almost have to pass the baton a little bit and you have to get the reinforcement from the managers because they are there every day and i think if you were to look at an ideal situation the managers the sales managers the frontline managers are bought into the same things that enablement mm. are and then they can be they can, they've got one-to-ones they can have coaching sessions they can have pipeline reviews where they're asking these questions for example you know it's all well and good if we're asking a sales rep what's the need what's the pain point why does this customer need to or this prospect need to buy this that's great but if the manager's not asking that in pipeline reviews what's the compelling reason what's the compelling event then guess what the the, the rep will just go out of their head why because it's not been reinforced so they're not being asked and you could you know there's you know, a million examples of where that could happen but i think that's where in situations like that, I think that's where you can see that enablement is a department, but it's absolutely, in terms of enabling reps, it's absolutely mm. a company or a team game, right? Mm. Like, because and there's, there is a big argument is in who's responsible for coaching. Is it enablement? Is it frontline managers? For me, it'll always be the frontline managers. Um, as much as I love coaching individually and personally, mm. um, it should be the manager's frontline manager's job. So you can only get people to a point almost where you push them out the nest. And then it's the um, it's the sales managers that have got to... Um, teach them how to fly really like we can set them up with everything and we can be there to scaffold you know with specific things but it's got mm-hmm. to be reinforced day after day after day by sales leaders got it yeah so i think in order to make it successful the frontline managers have to be bought in the idea of enablement so i remember i used to work at linkedin and my whenever we used to do the forecasting review he used to ask all these numbers and all but he used to ask okay what is the main problem that we are trying to solve yep. did you have all the right uh you know did you ask all the right questions so again right i'm sure it is he's reinforcing all the information that he got from our uh, enablement team but i think that was a great way to reinforce because managers talk to the reps almost every day but enablement teams they you know get to talk to the reps you you can't have a call with them every every day so i think yeah. uh leaning on the sales frontline sales manager is a great way to reinforce um that training knowledge yep so uh, that brings to me uh to the last question kiran in a world where i think you have answered some part of it in a world where every deal must be won how can enablement teams up level uh rep skills and make them more effective yeah, again, I think it's just to understand, break down each stage, break down the deal. You might have exit criteria on your each stage when you move through. Like if you look at your um, 
CRM. You know, not most people have got four or five. Some people have got 10 stages, you know, going through a deal. What are the exit criteria? Um, even going back to what does qualified mean, right? Like if you go back to the olden days of BANT, I've worked at companies where, you know, it needs to be BANT qualified in order to be mm -hmm. seen as an opportunity, but then you won't have a need. So again, you go back and reinforce that. So what happens is you, you, you get halfway through the sales process and then they fall out and you'll keep wondering why. So again, I think it's understanding the skills that are required at each stage. Whether that's mm -hmm. how, do you, how, do you, you know, how do you run a discovery call? How is that different from a demo? You know, make sure that you've got standards and, and you have to try and make sure that people understand what those standards are, whether that's a standard of information, a standard of even how you close, mm -hmm. right? Like there's, there's lots of these different things. Um, we know that sales is such a nuanced industry, such a nuanced profession that it's not black and white, right? This mm -hmm. just it's not binary, but you've got to almost work as if it is and then have people at a minimum standard and work through. But I think um, if you're at a business, in which managers are now being asked to go on to as many calls as possible to stop deals from falling through, which is happening across the board. Mm -hmm. And again, I think you have to have a separate conversation between frontline managers, the CRO and enablement about who's responsible for what, because just handholding forever will not upskill your team, right? You, yeah. you know as well as I do that if, if there's a, a director or a CRO on the call, that salesperson is on their best behavior, right? <laughs> like they're, they're following the script. But if you take that, I'm not really, I'm not so bothered about those calls. I'm bothered about the calls they're doing by themselves. Right. So what 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 are they doing then? Um, and I'd much rather catch you in than catch you out. But at the same time, just have an agreement. So if, if managers are on the call, does that mean enablement have to listen to a few? If the managers are on the call, um, are they debriefing and giving feedback afterwards? Just I think it's just maybe just like a bit of a realignment required. Because I understand why CROs want managers on calls. It makes mm. sense. They're normally more experienced, they've normally been a top performer. I get it. However, what does that doesn't for me that means doesn't does mean that you should be able to take away that, that coaching and that listening piece just because mm. you were there. So I would say just a little bit of a realignment if if your managers or your directors are joining every single call. Yeah, we have and again, right? Again, outcome is the end goal, but what in, yeah. is in our control is is again to do the things right. Whether you run a right discovery call, whether you were able to understand all the pains and objections, if they're focused, and that is where enablement can focus on, make sure that salespeople have all the right knowledge and they are doing all these processes right. We know if they're doing it right, mostly the, the, it, this will lead to a closure. Wonderful. Yeah. Awesome. I think that that brings us to the end of the show. It was such an insightful session. Uh, Karen, I'm sure a lot of other revenue enablement leaders will find it very helpful. You already run your podcast, but I think this will be one way for us to, uh, you know, uh, again, give the knowledge back to a lot of other enablement leaders. Uh, thank you so much. Um, uh, and uh, I look forward to uh, connecting with you further. Wonderful. Thank you for having me on. It was a pleasure. Absolutely.